when I am weak, you carry every burden. When I'm alone, you're just a breath away. When I am restless, you're the one who stills me. And where I fail, you always stay the same. In you, Lord, I'm lifted up to heaven. In you, Lord, I soar on borrowed wings. When I reach the end, you are just beginning. In you, Lord, I find all that I need. When I am lost, you rescue me from danger. When I fall, you pick me up again. When I resist, you love past my defenses. And though I stray, you're patient to the end. In you, Lord, I'm lifted up to thankful that God knows all of our weaknesses, knows everything about us, and yet he never gives up on us. He never, never throws us away. He's a God of second chances. I praise the Lord for all he's done. I'm thankful today to be saved. I'm glad to know that I'm on my way to heaven. Are you glad you're saved today? Amen. Amen. I'm thankful. God is so good to us. It's so good to be able to know that we're on our way to heaven, to know that our sins are forgiven. It's only through Christ that we can know that. And it's only through Christ that we can get through this life and, and to be able to have a blessed life. I want you to take your Bibles, if you would, again with me today. Turn over the book of Matthew.
once again this week at the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5 is where we'll be looking this morning in just a moment. Last week we began a, a, a mini-series, uh, several messages we'll be looking at, won't be taking too long. We could spend the whole year looking at the Beatitudes, looking at the Sermon on the Mount, um, but we're going to be spending the next couple of weeks looking at it, including last week and today, and, and really th- we're looking at the, the subject of, the overall theme of this series is the life that God blesses. The life that God blesses and how God wants to bless our life. God will bless our life. And but the question is of whether or not we're going to allow him to bless our life. And being willing to do what he says actually brings a blessed life. Jesus Christ, many times here in this passage that we're about to read here, we read last week, we'll read again today. Uh, we see uh, some valuable information about how to receive blessings from God, how to have a blessed life they define the life that God can bless, that God will bless, and these are the words that Jesus Christ himself spoken. And uh, Jesus, he, he doesn't make a suggestion here as to something that could happen, but something that will be absolute, that will happen, if we will listen to what he is saying. I like, I like things like that, when God just says, this is the way it is, if you'll do this, this is what's going to happen. It's not a question of if, it's not a question of maybe, it's a question that it actually will happen if we listen and, and hear what Christ is saying, this greatest sermon I believe ever preached. And I want to just read just a little bit of it here in, in uh, Matthew chapter 5. I want you to look at verse number 2. Notice what it says there. If you would, let's all stand. Once you find your place there, Matthew chapter 2, 5, verse number 2, excuse me. Matthew chapter 5, look at verse number 2. You know, before we read that, let me just say this once again. Can you imagine, I've said this before, but I want you just to picture being there as Christ is speaking this, there, there's the, the Sea of Galilee. Uh, he's just, just a little bit down from the, city of, or the, the village city of Capernaum. And he's right there on the Sermon on the Mount. He's up on an area that's above, this bowl type of area. Behind him will be the, 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 um, the, the Sea of Galilee. Picture that, being outside, beautiful. And I, I would love to have been there. Imagine Jesus Christ himself saying these words. I like to picture things like that because it makes it so personal when you think about it. And here he is. He gets up. There's a stop. Everybody's listening. And he opens his mouth. And now he speaks. And he taught them saying, verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you. We praise you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on Calvary's cross to pay our sin debt. And Lord, we thank you for giving us your word here today. Lord, you've given us promises. Lord, I pray that we would claim that today. And Lord, that we would allow for you to bless our life. That we would desire for your blessings in our life to live a life of happiness, of joy. Not that the world can bring, but Lord, that only you can bring. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts now. Speak to us as we hear from your word and we speak, Lord, the the preaching of your word today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. 
This morning I want to focus in on verse number 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And today we're going to be talking about the subject of the challenge to eat right. Spiritually, the challenge to eat right. We're talking about spiritual food here. You know, one of the biggest challenges you have with children is to get them to eat right. You know what I'm talking about. I don't know about you, but kids, they don't normally desire to eat the best food that's available. And you might train them, I understand, but I'm talking about just naturally a child. They're probably, if you put out on the plate, you put broccoli over here and you put ice cream over here, which one are they going to choose most often? What do you think? No, not the broccoli. They're going to choose the ice cream. They're going to be like, I want some of that ice cream. They don't like the broccoli, man. They'd much rather have the ice cream. Now, that being said, I do like broccoli. I understand. But I'm talking about kids in general. They're going to try to go for the, I mean, if you ask them, what kind of sandwich do you want? Do you want a liverwurst sandwich, which is really good for you, high in iron and and all kinds of good things for you? You guys are like looking at me like, no, no, that ain't going to happen. I like liverwurst myself. I really do. I gave Mackenzie her first liverwurst sandwich yesterday. And I'll have you know, my wife was gone out of town. That's why it happened. But she loved it. Charity came home. What'd she eat for dinner? I made her a liverwurst sandwich, I said. She said, you did what? And she ate that? I said, she loved it. It was so good. She enjoyed that. You know, she didn't know any better. She just ate that thing just like I ate. It was good. But you know what? If you give, if you give Mackenzie a choice, I can almost guarantee it. If you put out a liverwurst sandwich and you put out a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, how many of y'all think she's going to take the liverwurst sandwich? No. Probably going to be the peanut butter and jelly sandwich is what I'm guessing. You would take the liverwurst sandwich, wouldn't you? I see that back there. Yeah, you know, kids will take that, the peanut butter. It's not, it's not easy to get them to eat the right things. Now, we can make them, but for them to actually choose to eat the right thing. Now, when they get older, it doesn't get much better. I'm talking about little kids now. When they get to be about teenagers now, they don't like to eat the right thing either no, most of the time. I mean, I'll tell you, my girls, McDonald's did a terrible thing a few years ago. They said you could get 50 egg, uh, ch- chicken McNuggets for $9.99. 50 chicken McNuggets. My girls, they, they went to McDonald's. I didn't know that what they were going to get. They, they got 50 chicken McNuggets for $9.99. I said, what in the world are you buying 50 chicken McNuggets? I says, Dad, they're good. Uh, chicken McNuggets from McDonald's are terrible. Some of you are like, oh, I like them. Yeah, because somehow you got addicted to those things. Those things are terrible. I mean, you ever heard the thing, parts are parts, right? I mean, that's what's inside there. There's no real, I mean, it's just, I think they might even have chicken lips inside those chicken nuggets. I'm not sure about that, but I, I'm not a big fan. But, you know, kids are not going to choose that. They get a little bit older, they go to college, and what do they want to eat? Broccoli, right? No. Let's get the pizza, right? I want some pizza with the double cheese and all the good stuff. And you, you adults are like, yeah, those kids, I'll tell you, they just don't eat right. Mm-hmm. I know some people, I, I, I know certain people that are in their 70s that would assume eat ice cream than their regular meal. Amen, yeah. <laughs> JB, you're not that old yet. <laughs> but, you know, it's not an easy thing to eat right. But it's the right thing to eat healthy, isn't it? We ought to be eating healthy, and, and of course... Uh, this morning, when I talk about the subject of eating right, I almost feel like a, there's a pot and a kettle, and they're both black. So I've got to be careful what I say. And if you didn't understand what I just said, well, anyway. But it's a struggle to eat right. It's a struggle for us to physically eat what is right. And it's a struggle to get our kids to eat what is right. But here's the thing. Even though it's a struggle, does that mean we should give up? 
even though it's hard? Does that mean we should throw in the towel and say, well, I guess I'm just going to continue to eat junk food because it's so hard not to because I've gotten so addicted to it? No. We ought to continue trying to eat the right things. Why did I say all of that? really wasn't talking about food today. I'm talking about spiritual food. I'm talking about the whole concept of it. In this world in which we live as Christians, we eat a whole lot of junk that the world says is tasty and is really good. The world puts out all kinds of garbage food and expects for people and wants for people to eat it. And the world puts it out there in, in, in all kinds of different ways. Like, for instance, filthy entertainment. Yeah. All kinds of filthy entertainment at the movie house, all kinds of filthy entertainment on the TV, all kinds of filthy entertainment on the internet, put out all kinds of garbage over the radio waves and and, and streaming to your phone, all kinds of garbage out there. And here's the thing, there are many Christians that are eating it up. All kinds of garbage that's being put out there as being something that is so good and so tasty, and yet it is something that is so bad, and yet Christians today are eating it up. The world says that drugs aren't even a problem. It'll help you relax. It'll help you rewind. Yeah, I think you know what I'm talking about. It's amazing how elections are, are, are won based on a ballot measure to legalized marijuana yeah you know what's sad is a lot of Christians probably voted for that you know what's also sad there's a lot of Christians that are probably partaking in that because the world says it's good it makes you feel better now you're like preacher you're off mark here there's people don't you know I can almost guarantee you with people in the sound of my voice are partaking in marijuana I can guarantee it Medically okay, okay, for some people. She says it's medically okay. The world does say that, it does. And when you come to drugs being properly controlled and properly given by a doctor, I'm not even going to talk about the medical stuff, this whole thing is a charade by the devil himself to try to get the first step in for people to get going down that path and to make it okay. It's knocking the walls down of something that was protecting our young people in this, this country for many, many years, and now it's been knocked down from a lie from the devil, I believe. And so when they want to talk about medical stuff, there's all kinds of medical things that have gone awry. There's a lot of people today that are on Oxycontin and stuck on it too. All kinds of drug issues. Why is that? Why is there such a demand for that today? Is it because people are working so much harder than they used to and they need more medical help? What's the reason why people, there's so many more people now that are, that are having these problems with all kinds of issues in their life. Now, let me just say this. If you have a medical reason why you have to take medication, and it's truly a medical reason, I'm not against that. I'm not. But there are a lot of people today that the world says, hey, take this, it'll make you feel better. Hey, take this, it'll fulfill you. Hey, take this, it'll help you relax. It'll help you unwind. And the sad truth is there are many Christians today that are doing that. They're trusting in the, the drugs instead of trusting in God. Now, don't misunderstand what I just said. I do take ibuprofen when I have a headache. I'm not saying that drugs, that kind of drug that is properly controlled is wrong. I'm talking about the reason why people today seem to be using it in such the numbers that we see today. There are so many people today that are so dependent upon drugs that's just one subject we're talking about. I'm just trying to lay out the, pop, the, the, the point is 
is that the world has all kinds of things that it's trying to fill our appetite with and trying to fill that emptiness that's within people. And the sad truth is, it's not just the unsaved people, but it's Christians today that are partaking in it. And it's a struggle. It's a struggle to not eat all the tempting things the world puts before us and tells us to come and eat at the trough. It's a struggle. Once again, though, just because it's a struggle does not give us the right to just say, well, i got to give up. i got to let the wrong things take over. We should challenge ourselves to eat right spiritually. We should challenge ourselves not to do those things. By the way, when you choose to eat those, those things that are going to hurt you spiritually, you are choosing to do it. Nobody made you do it. Now, growing up, I got forced to do some things. Terrible parents I had. My dad's watching right now. Terrible dad. Made me do stuff. My dad, we talk every week usually. He says, I watched your sermon on Sunday and we'll talk about it. Well, dad, you were mean to me. He made me go to church. Terrible father. You know what he made me eat when I was really young? I mean, so young, I don't even remember it. Broccoli. Isn't that terrible, Owen? You like broccoli? Makes you, I see, there you go, good parents there, I can tell. You have mean parents too, obviously. But my dad made me eat that broccoli. And guess what? You know, this stuff is generational. My dad was such a mean father, he impressed that on me that I became a mean father too. Amen. Huh. Made my kids eat broccoli too. You realize that I came to love broccoli because of the appetite I had been exposed to as a very young child? Most of my kids love broccoli, too. I got one holdout that I know of. You pray for her. Her name is Callie. She's the one that's like those chicken nuggets, you know. Broccoli. Yeah, my dad made me eat some things, but they were good things. But you know the devil and the world can't make you eat the things that it's offering up to you? There's so many people today that are just that it's right there. It's like this big buffet that's being pushed out there. And you'll turn it on and you'll watch it. You'll, you'll get on your internet and watch it. You'll go out and entertain yourself with it. And you're taking it in all the time, all the time. You put it in your ears. Some of the most ungodly music you put in your ears. And why in the world would you put that in your brain? Why, why would you ingest that? It's food that you're putting inside your body. And what goes in is going to come out. It's going to have an impact on the way you think. It's going to have an impact on what you do. The things that you're doing and allowing to put inside your mind, it's going to have an impact on you. And we see that Jesus, He tells us here in our passage, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. They shall be filled. Hungering after righteousness. Not having an appetite to fill your appetite with the things of this world, but hungering and thirsting after righteousness. You're going to be blessed if that's your life. And there's a challenge that we see here to us today to eat right spiritually. 
And the first thing I want you to notice as we think about this and we kind of apply it to our life is the challenge to eat right spiritually is that not everyone feels compelled to do so. Not everyone is compelled to do so. Look at the verse number six once again. Look at it. Blessed are they, underline they, which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Jesus didn't say there, blessed is every Christian because they hunger and thirst after righteousness. It's not what it says. Not everyone is hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Jesus is saying it's a limited group. It's a smaller group of people than the whole. Does Jesus pick and choose who will hunger and thirst for righteousness? Is he picking and choosing for you? Is he going to make you eat your broccoli? No. Is he going to make you eat your spiritual food? No. It's a choice you have to make. Choices. Choices. I had to make a choice whether to be saved or not. Whether to be born again. I had to make a decision. It was a choice I had to make. God didn't make me. I had to choose. Best choice ever made, by the way. How many of y'all believe that getting saved was the best choice you ever made in your life? Praise the Lord for that. You had to choose, though, and you realize that now you are given choices every day as to what you're going to hunger and thirst after, what you're going to do, what you're going to eat spiritually. You see, when you got saved, you got all the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives within you, and, and both you and I, we have the same opportunity to hunger and thirst for righteousness or not. What I do find, though, is that sometimes a Christian man or woman may long for all that the world has to offer, and unfortunately, they then deaden their spiritual senses. They start to long for those things, perhaps when, before they got saved, those things before they were born again. They start longing for those things they used to have. They start longing for those addictions they used to have. They start, their flesh desires it. Now, for me, I got saved when I was five years old. I, I can't go back and say, I, you know, I got involved in all these addictions and all these things before I was, we got saved. I was so young. But I still have this old flesh right here. This old flesh that is a war, that's a battle that's going on. And, and if we're not careful, and if we, we're not careful, we're, we start to feed the old flesh, it, it will desire to have more. You ever notice that? That's my problem. See, when you start not eating right, you desire to have more bad food. And then more bad food. And it's like you get more hungry for more bad food. Same thing is true spiritually. You start just opening up just a little bit. You start to get that taste. You start longing for more. You start desiring for more. And what happens is you, you start to deaden the spiritual senses that you have. By the way, that's called quenching the Holy Spirit of God. That's within you. The Holy Spirit of God that is to convict you and to guide you into all truth. And, to, and you start to quench the Holy Spirit. You start throwing water on the, the Holy Spirit. You start throwing water on the Holy Spirit. And before you know, all of a sudden you become deadened to, to spiritual things. Before, you know, if you used to even have a thought of doing something, you would feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. You say, I'm not going to do that. And before you know long, you start taking a little bite here, a little bite there. And before long, you've made the decision so long. And you now have found your place in such situation in life of doing things you never thought possible before. You've deadened your spiritual senses to the Holy Spirit. 
That same Holy Spirit that's calling on you to hunger and thirst after righteousness, hunger and thirst after things of God, you, you've deadened yourself to it. Reminds me of the story we talked about last week of Achan. He longed for the gold. He longed for those artifacts of Jericho after the Israelites had, had taken siege of the city and the walls had come down and how, how the God brought all the walls down and how they, they conquered them and how the, had God in his, had spoken His word through Joshua telling them not to take any of the objects from Jericho. But Achan, he had deadened his senses to the word of God. He had allowed himself to be talked into, to talk within himself, to reason within himself. I want these things. I deserve these things. He took those things and remember the consequence. Then there's Lot's wife. You remember the story. Look back at Sodom. Look back at all she was leaving behind even after the angel of God warned them not to turn and look. Looking back looking back to the things of this world. You want to talk about vile things, Sodom and Gomorrah, talk about vile things, and yet she wanted to look back to that? Deadened her spiritual senses. She hungered and thirsted for the world, not the things of God. What do you hunger and thirst after? What did you get up for today? Why'd you live this past week? What's on your agenda for tomorrow? What is your purpose in living? What are you hungering after? You might be thinking, man, I don't hunger and thirst for the things of God. I hope you'd be honest enough to at least admit it. I don't hunger and thirst for the things of God. What's going to make me hunger and thirst for righteousness? What's going to make me hunger and thirst after that? I want to use just a, a, just a simple illustration to help you understand the answer to the question. Let's pretend that you went to a restaurant, and it's a restaurant that serves really good food. I mean, your favorite place to go. And you sit down, and they bring out in a four-course meal. I mean, it's just a spread. It's just so much good food. Wonderful food. The kind that, you, like I said, your favorite place, your favorite meal. And you eat that entire four-course meal. Man, you're full. Oh, it's so good. Oh, you can't even have dessert. No dessert for you because you're so full. And you're getting ready to go. And about that time, the waitress comes out and she brings another four-course meal, the exact same thing again, and puts it on the, the table there in front of you. Now before, when you first came into the restaurant, they brought it out. The smell was like, whoa, this smells so good. And then as you looked at it, you were like, wow, look at that food. I oh, I can't wait to have a bite. Some of you are thinking, yeah, I'm thinking about lunch right now. Don't do that. The first time, it all looked so good, and every bite, oh, oh you're so good. Mm, are you picturing it with me? Don't get lost in the thought. All right. By the time you took that last bite, things weren't quite the same. But then when they brought out that four-course meal, the smell of it, it wasn't quite the same, was it? Looking at it, the thought of even taking a bite of it, I was like, oh, man, I'm just so full. I can't eat anymore. Here's the thing. There are so many Christians today that are out in the world, and they're eating all this garbage 
all the garbage the world has to offer. They're, they're eating it up and, and they're just pouring it in and all these things. And by the way, don't misunderstand something. We live in a, in a world that is, yes, it's physical, but do you realize there's a spiritual thing that's going on? We are all spiritual beings, every one of us. And when we are partaking of those things of the world, we are taking evil things into our life. We are actually bringing in spiritually evil things into our life, into our hearts, and we're filling up with all this garbage. When it comes to the things of God, you know what we say after we've eaten all this garbage? I'm good. I'm good. I'm not hungry. I'm not thirsty. That's so sad. Churches across the country today, there are Christians that are walking into churches just like this, sitting down in seats just like this, that come and sit down and they're so full, so full of the things of this world. They can't even partake in the spiritual food. They can't eat of it. And oftentimes, you know what, you know what a pastor will hear? Well, preacher, I, I'm just not getting spiritually fed. I'm going to go find a place where I can get spiritually fed. And, and I can tell you this most often. Now, that doesn't mean that never happens. But I will tell you, most often when I've seen it, they'll end up going to a church that preaches less. Doesn't stand as strong on the word of God. And feeds the flesh more. Because their appetite is so that they want to feed the flesh more and they're not getting fed in the flesh the way they want to get fed and they're going to go find it elsewhere. I've seen it happen. How does that happen? Just a little bite. A little bit here. A little bit there. And before you know it, you are just filling your life with all kinds of evil. Things that you never would have even thought of allowing in your life in the past and now it is an everyday Part of your diet. We are never going to hunger and thirst for righteousness, the things of God, if we are full of the things of this world. We have to first empty ourselves, get the things out of our life, get rid of that garbage. You know, for some, it might be getting rid of the liquor, get rid of the beer, get rid of the junk in your life. Get rid of those things that are binding you, those things. Get rid of those drugs in your life. Get rid of that improper entertainment, the things that are entertaining the flesh. Get rid of it. Empty yourself of the things of this world. Hunger after the things of God. Get rid of those things of the world. I can tell you this, there are times if we don't, that God will do it for us. I can speak by experience. When God had to chasten me. And by the way, that's a grace of God when God chastens us. It's showing that God loves us. God wants better for us. God has chastened me in my life and I've seen it. I can look back and know it. But whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth, the Bible says. God loves you. God, he will chasten you in your life. And listen, we don't have to go down that road. We don't have to get to that place. We can make a decision. We have a choice. Hmm. Another thing I remember growing up, my dad, you know, he would tell you to do something. And I'd say, okay, I'll get around to it, dad. 
My dad would say, son, I told you to go and do something. I'm just filling the blank, right? I'll get around to it, dad. I'm too busy over here doing my own thing, you know. My dad would say, I'm going to tell you, son, now this is when he was real gracious, the third time. He'd say, son, I'm going to tell you this, and if you don't do it, there's going to be consequences. And I knew what that meant. And then he would say this. Are you ready for it? A word to the wise is sufficient. Now, I knew what that meant. I meant my dad was using words up till now, and if I was going to be a wise son, I'd go and do what he told me to do, because I knew it was coming next. Because then if I wasn't a wise son, I'm a fool. And the Bible says, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, and a rod will drive it far from him. Yeah. I don't want to be a fool's child. And God says, won't you thirst and hunger after righteousness? Won't you thirst and hunger to know me more? Won't you thirst and hunger to to do what I've called you to do, to, to live the life I want you to live? Won't you do that? Sometimes we're not obeying, we're not listening, and we're, we're getting over here, and we're involved in these other things. We start eating the wrong food, and, and the Holy Spirit of God starts to convict us, and, and we say, I'm not going to listen, I'm not going to listen, I'm not going to listen. And we begin to quench the Holy Spirit of God. It's like pouring water on a fire, and that fire begins to dwindle. That doesn't mean we lose the Holy Spirit. It's just that we don't hear Him anymore. And He gets grieved. Grieved. Brokenhearted. You drag around the Holy Spirit of God and the temple of the Holy Spirit of God into places never should be taken. Dragging him down to watch that garbage, dragging him down to to put that garbage in our bodies, dragging him down. He gets grieved. Grieved at what comes out of our mouth, the words that we say. Grieved by what goes in our ear and the things we're listening to. He's right there within us. He's grieved. the time comes when God sees and he needs to chasten us. Sometimes it takes getting on your back before you look up. And God takes away everything that, that is distracting you. That's why John says in 1 John 2.15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him interesting. So if I love the world, that means I don't love God. That doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. Don't misunderstand what that's saying. If I love the world, I can't love God and love the world. I can't do it. It's either or. We talked about this last week. I used the illustration of my wife. I can't say I love you plus somebody else. It doesn't work that way. Love not the world, it says. Love neither the things that are in the world. We certainly don't have the love for God when we're loving the things of this world. We certainly don't demonstrate the love of God when we're loving the things of this world. There's a spiritual principle that we see here. Hunger and thirst for the things of God, and you're going to grow leaps and bounds. If you hunger and thirst 
for the things of God, you're going to grow. If you hunger and thirst for the spiritual food, the things of God, you're going to grow spiritually. But if you're not hungering and thirsting after the things of God, you're not going to grow spiritually. There's not going to be any growth. So here's the question. Are you growing as a Christian? Are you growing as a child of God? And if not, why not? It's not because God doesn't want you to grow. It's a choice. You are deciding not to grow. What are you doing to grow spiritually? Are you studying the Word of God? Are you reading the Word of God? Have you made a decision this year to read the Word of God daily? Have you challenged yourself with that? The goal of maybe reading through the Bible or reading through the New Testament or doing a chronological plan, maybe getting a Bible reading plan, but putting a goal there that you're going to discipline yourself to, to do what is right? Some of you have made plans physically. Have you made a spiritual plan to actually grow? Are you involved in, 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 in making sure that, or how about this one? How about making a commitment to be in church every time you can? I'm not talking about can, meaning that you're doing something else that's contrary to the Word of God, or can because you, you'd rather go shopping. I'm talking about you're not providentially hindered. How about making a commitment to be in church? Being in church is part of spiritual growth. Lee Robertson used to always say this. He used to always say that it takes three to thrive. Three to thrive. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You're not taking advantage of that, you're not going to thrive. You're not going to grow spiritually the way God wants you to grow if you're not partaking in the planned feed times of spiritual word, of the spiritual word of God. The planned time of eating and spiritual, spiritually growing. How about getting involved in a Bible study? Now, I say Bible study should come secondary to first time church service. Church service should be first of all, all right? Taking Bible study in place of church is not the answer. Not the answer. It's addition to. All right? We have, right now, there's a couple of ladies' Bible studies that just got started. Maybe this year you'll sign up and be involved in a Bible study. Get involved to grow spiritually. Um, maybe it's going through discipleship. Have you been through the discipleship here at Lighthouse Baptist? We have a discipleship ministry. It's a one-on-one. -on -one. It's a great time of fellowship, being able to study the Word of God and grow. Have you been through it? If not, why don't you get involved in discipleship? These are ways. I'm giving you ideas of how to help you to get starting to eat spiritual food, to give you a plan to run on that will help you to grow spiritually. Because here's the thing, if you've not grown spiritually since you've gotten saved, it's not because God didn't want you to. It's because you're not making a choice to grow spiritually. And I can say this also, you are in a church and part of a church that truly believes in discipleship and for people to grow this is not just come Sunday morning and let's, hey, let's make a big hooray and then go home and live the rest of the week the same way we did before. This is a church where I'm going to challenge you to grow. And we have, we have programs and things in place that will help you, but you've got to, you have to avail yourself to it. Decide that you're going to read the Bible. Decide that you're going to be discipled. Decide that you're going to pray the way you should. Scriptural principle. Hunger and thirst for the things of God, you will grow in leaps and, and bounds. You're going to grow. It's going to happen, guaranteed. No hunger for the things of God, you're not going to grow. Where are you at? Have you achieved the pinnacle of your spiritual growth, or are you heading that way? Or are you on a plateau, just like this? Point number one, the challenge to eat right spiritually is 
Not everyone feels compelled to do so. You've got to make a choice. You must make a decision yourself. And by the way, it's a decision daily, not once a year. It's a daily choice. Secondly, the challenge of eating right spiritually is that the menu is small. It's Christ alone. It's a small menu. We don't have like a buffet style where you just kind of go through and pick and choose what you want. It's very small when it comes to eating spiritual food. It is Christ alone. Look at verse number six again. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Let's all read that out loud together. Would you read that with me? Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. What righteousness is that talking about? I'm going to tell you what it's not. Self-righteousness is not what this is talking about. That's talking about the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I mean, he could have said my righteousness. My righteousness. Not, not ours. Not our self-righteousness. Not building ourselves up. The menu is small. We're talking about Christ alone. There's a company that's named Inc. I-N-C period. They published a newsletter a few years ago, and one of their articles was entitled this, Five Ways Extremely Successful People Find Fulfillment. The article went on to say five surefire ways that you can find fulfillment. You ready for them? This might help you out today. I'm sure it will. Number one, challenge yourself to grow. No, they weren't talking about that way. All right. Um, and it instructs us to engage in the never-ending process of self-improvement. As you do that, you will find fulfillment. The point being is have self-improvement, self-fulfillment. Challenge yourself to grow. Number two, contribute to others. Not all these are really bad. It's, just, it's the outlook on it. Uh, contribute to others. Fulfillment comes from contributing to others. And here's what they said. Charity work helps others and makes you feel good. All right. Number three, live in the present moment. Not all bad. It instructs us to take a short break without scrolling the endless entertainment of your iPhone. Pause and just be there. Not, not all bad. Number four, end your sense of entitlement. We need to quit feeling that we should have had certain things happen. Number five, connect to something bigger than yourself. When you immerse yourself in the mountains or swim in the vastness of the ocean, it makes us and our problems seem small, and that will fulfill us. Now, if you were to read that on face value, you'd say, that sounds pretty good, but here's the problem. The problem is that, that it, they, in this article, if you compare to what they're saying and what Jesus Christ is saying about fulfillment, we see that this, this article is seeking after me and my righteousness and how I can be filled. Me and my righteousness. Talking about connecting to something bigger. Okay, you know what? I've gone out swimming in the ocean. It did not make me feel a whole lot better. There's a lot of things that, you know, people, there's a lot of people that do charity work, but... You know, it makes them feel better for a little while, but they don't find complete fulfillment from that. And, and, and the, all these things aren't necessarily bad, but the point is, is all of it's pointing back at me, me, me. And so we have a problem here. Someone is not giving us the right direction to find fulfillment. Either the article is telling us the truth or Jesus is telling us the truth, but both of them cannot be telling the truth. And I can tell you this, I know who's telling the truth. It's Jesus Christ. And so the problem is this, though, that there's so many people, including good Christian people, that'll buy into the, these type of philosophies, but they'll not find what they're looking for. They'll do all these things, and yet they don't have fulfillment. They do all these things, and yet they're still not filled spiritually. By the way, listen, 
We can fill ourselves with the negative spiritual things of this world, but it never will satisfy. It never will. You can do all those things and it never will satisfy. We have to remember that the menu is small. It's Christ alone. It's his righteousness, not my righteousness. It is Christ's righteousness. Thirdly, the challenge of eating right spiritually is that we must not settle for anything that does not truly and permanently fill us. And that's what I was alluding to a moment ago. We must not settle for anything that does not truly and permanently fill us. Look at verse number six once again. Notice what it says. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they, what's the next word? Y'all see it? They shall be filled. Not might be, but it's absolute. It's absolute. And by the way, this is something that you might say was it was a transaction that took place from the very moment I got saved. At that very moment that I got saved, the moment you got saved, what did you do? You were hungering and thirsting after something. You were hungering and thirsting after the righteousness that you could not perform yourself. You couldn't be good enough. You couldn't appease a holy, righteous God. You were, you were hungering after the, Jesus Christ, who is absolute righteousness. You hungered after him. As Jesus Christ, he said this in John 6, 35. He said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. This is a spiritual thing we're talking about here. When I ate of that bread, when I got saved, I ate the, that bread, the, the, the bread of life. Spiritually, I'm a child of God. I'm a way to heaven. I drank of that living water. I'm going to heaven. But here's the problem. This is what I know about myself. After a while, I forget that the things of this world do not bring me lasting fulfillment. That's what it is for a lot of Christians today. They forget that the world was never able to fulfill them. They got saved. The person gets saved. They're a child of God. Maybe they're on fire for God. They begin to grow. And, but then they start to forget that, man, these things of the world look good. And, man, those things of the world, they forget that those never brought satisfaction before. Hmm. Kind of reminds me of things that happened in my own life. You know, you think about it. I remember uh, thinking to myself, we, we lived over a 922 homestead here in Ludington for 19 years. We lived in a house that was 100 plus years old. I mean, there was something wrong all the time. 100 plus years old, there was always something going wrong. There was always, you know, that drain underneath the kitchen sink? I hated that drain. Man, that thing leaked all the time. I had to always fix it. It was terrible. There was always something wrong. Had to fix that. You know, I, I remember having issues with that house. And, you know, the, the baseboards, they were that old type of really beautiful wood that somebody painted three times and before I bought it. Never looked good. It was always clump here and clump there, different coats of paint. Things didn't look good. I thought, man, that's terrible. What are you going to do? You had to strip all of that? Never did. It was just, we painted it again. <sighs> there was always something. Oh, yeah, cracks in the plaster. That house was still settling for the last 150 years, I think. <laughs> Completely having to, and I tried every different thing I could possibly think of. You know, it was elastic stuff you put on there and hopefully pray that it doesn't come back. It did. But you know what I thought? We're going to go and build us a house and all these problems will be gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we built that house. Praise the Lord for it. Thankful. 
Hope I'm Amber. 4710 North Amber. Praise the Lord for that. God gave us that. I know that. No question in my mind about it. He gave it to me to test me further. <laughs> you know, I thought moving in there, man, this is wonderful. All this brand new paint on the walls. I don't have to worry about painting anytime soon. All this beautiful trim. I mean, every single joint we caulked. Eric Lindenall Jr., man, he helped me. I learned a lot from him about how to paint and different things and all this stuff. So what I'm about to say next is not your fault. But <laughs> and be before I moved in, I heard this new phrase, MDF. I didn't know what that was. Anyway, if you don't know what it is, it's okay. They said, you want to put that as this trim in your house? Yeah, let's do MDF. Let's do MDF everywhere in the house. That sounds good. It's a good price. You know, anyway. Long story short, okay, thought that to fulfill, everything's going to be fine, no more problems. Guess what happened though, right? Yeah, a year into it, all of a sudden my wife wants to paint this wall a different color. I was like, what? We're painting again? I thought I was going to have to paint at least for the rest of my life. But I want an accent wall. I, I got a bucket, there's paint, we'll accent it. I mean, come on. <laughs> no, we're painting the wall. And the seasons change and it gets colder out. Start looking at the trim. Yep, it's called contract, contracting and expanding and all that good stuff. Next thing you know, all those beautiful joints that you had in between those 45s and your trim MDF that really goes like this. Um, you start having these blanks that are in there, and now, oh man, I've already caulked it again. That was last winter. This winter, it's still the same. It's doing it again. And, and then, you know, having, I've already had to change the water filter. I'm, I could go on, but here's the point. We think that we can go out and we can do this and everything is going to be taken care of. It's going to get better. And we forget about those, the fact that there was no fulfillment. You know what? A house is never going to bring fulfillment for you. Even if you build a brand new one, it's not. A brand new car is not going to bring fulfillment for you. I'd like to try it, but I have never, so... <laughs> But I can tell you this, you buy a brand new car, it's going to be the same thing. You're going to take good care of it, and you're going to wash it out, and wash it outside. You might even do it by hand yourself, and you're going to park it at the end of Walmart parking lot so nobody runs into it, even though the trucks get right close. And then what's going to happen? Before you know it, there's a, a stone chip here, a scratch there. Next thing you know, you're parking it up right next to the buggy container. You don't even care anymore. And you move on to the next thing. This world has all kinds of things to try to bring fulfillment. The devil wants to try to put out all kinds of things. Now, having a house isn't the problem, see. It's talking about where we find fulfillment. It's about what we're living for. It's about where true blessed lives are from. It's not from the things of this world. It's because we're eating that spiritual food and we're growing. And yes, we've got to go through some of the challenges of life. But you know what? Those challenges of life, all they do is cause us to hunger and thirst more for those things and eat more of those things and desire more of those good things. And the more that you eat that diet, the more you desire that. All the things of this world are not going to bring fulfillment. There's only one thing that will, and that's God in your life and you hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Lord, we thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for giving us the bread of life, living water, offering it freely, freely to us, but it came at a great price to you. 
Thank you, Jesus, for dying for our sin, our sin debt, dying because you love us, being victorious over the grave for us, over death. You're our victor. Thank you for the gift of salvation. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, let me ask you today, do you know Christ as your Savior? Have you been born again? Have you eaten of that bread? Have you drank that living water? If you trusted in Christ as your Savior, you have no doubt that you're on your way to heaven. You remember that moment? You're here this morning, say, yes, I know I'm saved. I know I'm on the way to heaven. Based on the promise of God's word, I've been born again. Would you lift your hand up high? Say, yes, I know I'm saved. I know I'm saved. God bless you. We put your hands down. Praise the Lord. So wonderful to know that. Do you know that? You might be here this morning. You don't have that peace of knowing. God wants you to know today. He wants you to be able to have, have the answer of where you'll spend eternity. God gives it to you. God gives it to it in his word. God loves you. God wants you to have that peace. Well, where would you spend eternity? If you're not sure this morning, could I pray for you? I won't call you out by name at all, but I will pray that God will give you that peace this morning, that God will speak to your heart. I just invite you right now, if you're here this morning, you say, Preacher, I don't know, I don't have that peace. Could you slip your hand up? Could I pray for you today? You don't have that peace of knowing you're going to heaven. Christian, the challenge is there today to look at our hearts, look at our lives. Do you hunger and thirst after righteousness? You can look at your life and see things you do hunger and thirst after, the things that you desire, things that you must have. Do you have that same desire for the things of God? Do you hunger and thirst after righteousness? Has the Holy Spirit of God been able to speak to your heart today? Would you listen? Don't quench Him right now. Would you just pray in your heart right now, God, would you please show... Show me in my heart, Lord. Show me in my life. Help me to see truth. Ask God to open your eyes. It might be that God has already spoken to your heart. You know there are things in your life you've been eating. Those things of this world. Trying to find fulfillment in them. Yet never do they fulfill hungry and thirsting after things of this life that they don't bring happiness or joy or blessedness. I ask you today, would you get your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Lord, Lord, I desire you. I ask you today, what do you love? Do you love the things of this world or do you love God? We demonstrate what is true in our life by what we do by our priorities and who's first. Is God speaking to your heart this morning?
you're here this morning and say, yes, God, he's spoken to my heart today. I do. I want to hunger and thirst after righteousness. God has spoken to my heart. Would you lift your hand up and say, yes, God has spoken to my heart today. God bless you. You may put your hands down. Lord, I pray that you'd move in this invitation. May we listen. May we obey your voice. May we desire desire spiritual food that we may grow thereby. Lord, I pray that we would desire to want to be more in love with you. Lord, that we would desire for your love to shine in us. Lord, that we would make our priorities right. Lord, that we would get rid of the filth in our life, get rid of the things that are right now that are having an impact negatively in our spiritual growth, that we'd get rid of them. We'd make a choice. Lord, speak to our hearts, I pray. In Jesus' name, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to invite you, would you come to this altar this morning? Would you just come and say, Lord, speak to me. Lord, reveal.